Welcome in. This is a brand new Friday scramble. June 10th, 2022. I'm Rick Gamer. That right there is Andy Lack. Andy, good morning. Good morning, Rick. How are you? I'm good, man. It's been a week, you know? It's been like a very busy, interesting week, which I was not necessarily expecting for RBC Canadian. <laughs> I got to say, I think it's probably the biggest golf news week. I mean, Tiger's accident. I'm trying to think of a one. Is there anything that we could, in terms of its long-term implications, I can't think of anything more meaningful than this for the for the sport that we cover. And really not, like even Tiger's accident, like that's, that's off the course, right? This right. is actually the game of golf, the product that will likely be impacted long-term. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, 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 something like this only happens few times in sports, right? Where either leagues merge or leagues split. And, and that's kind of what it feels like we're in right now. So this is, this is why it's a big news story, not just in golf, but in sport. And then also the political side of it makes it like a worldwide story. Yeah. You know, you know that it has kind of permeated just from a golf story to a real life. This is world news story, right? When I have all of my non-golf friends asking me, about it too. And I think this is the, uh, I think it's like the first time since the, uh, the tiger accident that I'm getting all these non golf friends text asking me what's going on. So, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll dive into it a little bit more today as well. Yeah. I mean, let's like, and what I think is so interesting is we've been talking about this for a year, but we live in this little bubble. And I think yesterday was the first time that a lot of my friends realized something else was going on. It was right. like Phil Mickelson's playing golf. Dustin Johnson's playing golf, but not on the PGA tour. Like, what am I looking at? And I think yesterday was the first time that occurred to a large percentage of casual golf watchers. Do you think that any casual golf watchers actually sought out watching live um because that's what i'm still trying to figure out in terms of um who is watching this i know you and i are obviously going to watch it because it's a it's part of our job and b the the curiosity angle but i have no way to put like i haven't looked at even viewers do you think that they it was successful for them in terms of the amount of viewers i mean and stuff like that I, I don't know. I, I think that this is not what they want to be doing forever, right? Getting 60 to 100,000 views on YouTube, which, listen, right. I'm, I'm, I'm all for YouTube. I obviously love YouTube. More people watch YouTube than probably watch television at this point. Like, it, it's, it's, it's a massive platform. I'm not against being on YouTube. But I think that their goal is to eventually sign a TV contract, have this blasted out, to, you know, to a much larger audience. I saw that the, um, a hundred thousand viewers is equivalent to like, uh, I think somebody said it was Rangers lightning game four replay at 4.00 AM Eastern on Wednesday <laughs> night. Like that's the equivalent, right? So <laughs> that's not what live wants. They want to be blasted out to a larger audience. Right. I Listen, I mean, I think for me, like, I, I'm i a little bummed that this is happening now, right? Because 
first of all, a, I think St. George's Mm -hmm. is a really awesome golf course. And I, I wish that, um, this golf course and this tournament, you know, it's the, the, these national opens are really, really big deal for these countries. Um, I wish that some of the shine wasn't taken off of that. And to be honest with you, Rick, the thing that I've been, I know I'm in the minority here. The thing that I've been watching and the thing that I've been most excited for is the Curtis cup because that's at right. Marion. So, so I've been watching the Curtis cup all morning. Um, and because to me, Marion's a top five golf course in the world. And so if Marion's on TV, sorry, guys, I'm going to want to watch Marion over the Centurion club. So, you know, yeah. you have, maybe one of the most exciting events in the world in women's golf. Um, and in my opinion, St. George's is like a top 100 golf course in the world as well. Um, so for me, like that's what I am going to tune into personally. Um, but I, I, I'm a little bummed that those two events are, you know, a little bit less shine is on them. Yeah. And that's what, that was, um, you know, Kyle and I talked about it. I think it was maybe, I don't know, maybe Wednesday where something like, you know, if, if, if we end up moving forward with kind of split golf, right. Where there's a PGA tour product and a live golf product, how would we cover it? And Kyle was like, yeah, you know, there is also other golf, right? Like there's a lot of amateur golf out there. There's, there's women's golf. There's, there's a lot of other golf going on. And he kind of made this kind of compelling case to just follow what, he enjoys. And sometimes it might be live and sometimes it might be the PGA and sometimes it might be the Curtis cup and sometimes it might be the Walker cup and sometimes it might be whatever else. Right. But like there is still a lot of golf being played in the world on world-class golf courses. A hundred percent. Right. And, and maybe this, maybe this makes the major championships, if this is even possible, feel even more meaningful. Right. Because, you know, they already feel like, obviously, it's a totally different vibe that week. But if the PGA Tour fields keep getting weaker mm-hmm. and the live fields are kind of maybe front-loaded at the top, right, where you get a couple big guy, couple big names at the top, but still a lot of, you know, Asian Tour players that aren't many people are familiar with, maybe that, you know, um, brings even more uh, shine and specialness onto the major championships and you know it's it's crazy to think about. I'm so so excited for Brookline next week, yeah. Rick. I, I started diving in probably yesterday, and I think the story is going to be like I think went Monday through Wednesday with the press conferences might be more what people are looking forward to than the actual golf and the golf course, which is a bummer, but also just the world that we live in right now. Yeah. And I think eventually the fact that we're at the U S open and we're at Brookline will, will take over. What did you, what did you actually, what did you actually think of the product of the live of the live product? I liked the leaderboard on the side. I thought the leaderboard was, um, I thought that was a nice touch. I, I liked how they had that. I wouldn't be opposed. Yeah. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing that on PGA tour cover. It's something like that where it kind of slides down and you get to see, because you know, people like you and I were not just concerned about who's leading the tournament, right? A lot of the Correct. time we're sweating matchups and DraftKings lineups as well. So I like the fact that you had this slid down leaderboard in terms of the product. 
I don't think Centurion's an interesting golf course. Um, so I struggled with that a lot. And I struggled with figuring out what the stakes were too, right? Like I was watching great golfers play golf, but I didn't really understood. I couldn't really figure out if any of them cared, right? Like you can almost tell, I'll give you a good example of this. I have PGA tour live on in the background and Sahith Tagala made a 20 footer to make the cut on the number, which I cared about because I was playing Sahith Tagala and I'm a Sahith Tagala fan. <laughs> like he gave out a giant fist pump and it was like, oh, wow, I understand the meaning there. That was a big deal for a rookie like Sahith who's grinding, you know, and you could just tell that meant something to him that he made the cut. I don't, I couldn't tell what the meaning was for all of the golf shots. All these, even if these guys shoot an 85, they're still making a ton of money. So that what I was kind of struggling with was understanding the stakes uh, of what I was watching. If that made sense. That's very fair. I think it's really fair. So to loop back to the leaderboard, this leaderboard that stays up on the side the entire time, that, that to me is the best thing they got. You 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 yeah. absolutely nailed it. That to be able to see more than five guys, to be able to see how many shots back they are from a top 10 or from a top 20, or when a golfer who's further down the board appears, they they kind of um they pivot this and it and it slides up a little bit. And then you can see the golfers around him. Amazing. And it stays up at all times. Love it. Love everything about it. Um the shotgun start, yeah, is Interesting. So I, I want to dive into this a little bit more because I, I think I think there is a the goal. Okay. I want to be very clear about this. So give me give me a second here. Um <laughs> I do not think that professional golf has a pace of play issue. I've never thought that. One, they're professionals and this is what they do for a living. I don't give a shit how long it takes them to do it. Uh, mm -hmm. and they're playing for a lot of money. I think golf recreational amateur golf has a pace of play issue. I do right. not think professional golf has a pace of play issue. However, from a viewership standpoint, from a product standpoint, a round of golf on the PGA tour takes too long. Like the window of time that golfers are on the course takes too long. It's like, right what, 10 or 11 hours from, from start to finish or something like that in some case, maybe nine hours. Yeah. yeah. Which poses a lot of problems, Andy. When it takes nine hours um, with how expensive broadcasting is, with how expensive all of this stuff is, it's why we don't see every shot. And it's why mm -hmm. we don't see every single player is because it's too much time. So... When you look at the PGA Tour and you realize when they start on 1 and 10 or 1 and 9 this week, which is kind of weird, um, for the first two hours, there are holes that are not being used. If you go out at 6.30 a.m. and stand on number 8, you will not see a golfer for two hours, which is just like a bad use of resources and a bad use of time. So the shotgun start, which has its flaws allows these rounds to be completed in a smaller window of time, which I would hope would allow for advancements in showing more golf, 
investing the time and energy and resources that you would have put into showing nine hours into new and other things. I, I think, I think having the golfers on the golf course for a shorter period of time or like the window being smaller, I think could potentially solve a lot of the problems that people have with the broadcast. Okay. All of this is fair. Um, I still, I can't do it. I don't like it. And it's a, because I am a pure, it, it comes down to the golf courses for me, right? Like you're not supposed to start. Yeah. You want to, you want to play them in the order that the designer like intended you to. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, but listen to, listen to any great, uh, artist, uh, musician talk about uh, the construction of an album. The construction of an album, an album is supposed to be listened to in order for a reason. You're not supposed to start playing Augusta on 16. That I mean, that's not the way the course was intended to be played. A round of golf is a journey from start to finish. And it was routed in a specific way for a reason. At Centurion, it doesn't matter because all the holes are the same anyway. But I... I, Rick, I would pull my hair out if the PGA Tour did this at Riviera or a major championship, because that's not the way these golf courses were intended to be played. And I saw Eli, Eli brought up something in the chat that I agree with, too. I like being able to watch golf all day. I like that it's really long. I also understand that I'm in the minority of that. But for me, it is a simple this is destroying the idea of routing and what designers are so brilliant at. Um, and that's hard for me to get past. I also like watching golf all day. I also like waking up at yeah. 6 a.m. and having golf to watch. And at, you know, whatever time, like, I, I like that too. But I think growing the game is, I, I think, I think it, listen, there's no other sport in the world in which you just like see the final 25% of. Maybe. Right. Well, ESPN plus, don't you think ESPN plus has helped with that? But it's behind a paywall. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a subscription service. Listen, I, I, I've always said, and before PJ tour went to, went to PJ tour live, went to ESPN plus, I would have paid like quadruple what they were. They were not charging enough for PGA tour live because right. the people, the people who want that would pay a lot more for it. And yes, but like, okay, so I can see 12 to 20 golfers uh most of their shots and then i've got to kind of flip around and do all this stuff i don't know i, I just think it's it's not about us i think it's about the the casual fan a hundred percent a hundred percent we obviously need to acknowledge that we're in the minority with this that should be the first things out of our mouth let me ask you this and then and then we'll move on because i know we've got a lot to get to if the usga came out this is a hypothetical situation, but if the USGA came out tomorrow and said, you know what, this makes some sense. We're going to do this. And the U S open, uh, for all four rounds was a shotgun start and a much, much tighter TV schedule. Would you be for that? See, so this is where I stop. Uh, I, I don't trust the corporations to get this right because <laughs> because if let's say we could condense this to five hours a day and all of the golf was played in five hours a day in my utopia 
that would mean we would see a ton of shots and we would be able to track the players that we want and we would have cameras on not just sitting there. I mean, if you go to PJ Tour event on a Thursday and Friday morning, there are cameras set up and no one manning them. They are turned off at greens mm. and tees. That's insanity. If we had cameras at every green, cameras at every tee, the handhelds in the fairway, whatever, if, if it created this, like my utopia says, we now take advantage of these small windows and we show a lot of shots. I am not also that optimistic that corporations would look at that and say, wow, we can really deliver a much better product. They might just say, oh, well, now we can sell ads with more leverage because we're going to have less inventory to, to sell. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. if, it, if, if it guaranteed that we got my utopia that, that, that I'm looking for, I would not care if someone wants, if someone at the U S open started on the 130 yard 12th hole flip bridge right. down the yeah. hill. I, I wouldn't care. Yeah, you know, peep it, it it brings in this weird thing into play where I think players would I don't know if they yeah, they would complain actually. Yeah, they, they compl definitely But they're going to complain about they complain about it now. They complain about everything. Right, right. No, what it reminded me of was do you remember when uh the players had that big weather delay with the crazy winds and I remember uh Brooks, Xander, and Scheffler group had to play their first hole in 45 mile per hour wind 17 at no Sawgrass. Chance. And they, they no all chance. they all made like sixes. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean it, anyway. it it's it's bizarre. But yeah, I think we are definitely we're definitely in a moment. I mean, so so now officially, uh so so Live Golf released released the press release this morning. Bryson's going, we'll be there for We'll be there for Portland, which, you know, had been rumored for the last couple as, of days. As you called, by the way. Thank you much. Yes. So, uh, and then Patrick Reed, which I don't think has been officially announced yet, but uh, that's, that was just a matter of time. Everybody's been very good about the reporting on this and has been genuinely, genuinely very accurate. And then um, Pat Perez as well is supposedly going for $10 million. So these, I, I think um, as uh, there's they're still, there's still going to be these, these defectors, right? They're still going to be for the rest of the year, especially as we get through major championship season and, and people see what it looks like. There's going to be more of these guys. I don't know if it's enough to make anybody care or watch or whatever, but there is going to be more. Um, from what I've heard, I don't know if this is officially reported yet too, but I'm pretty sure Varner is a done deal. Um, and That's I've also surprising. heard, I've also heard Wolf Wreck is is going. Also, did you hear surprising. about that one? Um, so I mean, that had kind of been like uh, Bubba's the other one there too, right. where it's like these guys that played multiple times in like the Saudi International. Um, yeah, the Varner stuff I've I've heard. The yeah. Wolf thing I've heard, but not as much recently. And and that one's kind of interesting because he's so young, Andy, but he's also. I, like, what does Matthew Wolf describe the state of his game as? Yeah, that's a t that's you know. Do you think Wolf is? Gosh, Rick, we were talking about this guy. Morikawa Hovland Wolf, who has a better career, was a legitimate, legitimate debate. Yeah. And you know, I remember when he was in the final group at Wingfoot with Bryson. Like, if you asked, if you did a Twitter poll. I would say that a lot of people would have said Wolf is the one that ends up with the highest career. Um, 
I am a little surprised about that one because Wolf to me feels like the first, um, he feels like the first young player that has shown that he can compete and win on the PGA tour and compete in major championships that is going Gooch is 30, right? Wolf is 23, right? So that is the first one where it's like, okay, now we're now you're tapping into the future stars of the PGA tour. And you could say, you know, Wolf isn't going to be a star, I, yeah. but you know, I could see Wolf going. I, cause, cause if you're, if you're Matthew Wolf, I think two things could get you there. One, you're really not optimistic about the state of your game. And you're like, I'm just going to take the payday. That's one route. The other route is, um, and he's been kind of open about, you know, kind of some of the mental struggles that he's had since joining, joining the PGA tour. The guy just might want to change the scenery and he just might need something different. And he's looking at this going, Holy crap, you're going to pay Pat Perez 10 million bucks. Well, I bet you I can get a lot more than that. And also this will be a fresh start for me. Like I could also see that path for him. Right. And David Perez well said in the chat is, you know, maybe he has no confidence in his game right now. So if you're guaranteeing it's the same reason why like NBA players, how they negotiate contracts in the NBA, like you have to maximize your window in terms of getting paid. Right. And if Wolf has the ability, if he doesn't have a lot of confidence in his game right now, but he has the ability to make a huge payday now when how much money has Wolf made on the PGA tour in the last 16 months, right? It's like, he, yeah. what is he in the FedEx cup outside of the top 150? Probably I would imagine outside of the top 100 at least. So it's not like he's making any money on the PGA tour right now. He's <laughs> withdrawing from events. So, you know, I, I would, I I understand of course why he's doing this as well. It's a bit of a bummer because I, I still kind of had high hopes for him. I wasn't really ready to stick a fork in his career just yet, despite the struggles over the last year. Yeah. Since the calendar year, he's basically made no money. Uh, He's he's made, he's made four cuts. Three of them are in this. Oh, actually that's not even a made cut. That was a T60 at the match play. Um, He's made basically no money since the turn of the turn of the calendar year. I remember watching that final group at winged foot and you know, I think Bryson ended up winning that U S open by six strokes and Wolf was one of only two or three players that finished the entire tournament under par. I mean, seriously, it was one of the more impressive performances, golfing performances I've seen in a while. Kind of that U S open kind of got lost to history because it was during COVID and football season. If you told me right now after Wingfoot that that final group of Bryson and Wolf may never play on the PGA tour again, it's just wild to think about. Uh, indeed, I lost track of time. Some of these props from Prize Picks <laughs> start in like five minutes. So get your get your uh, computer fingers ready. The code is Rick. The link is in the description. We've got props to talk about. Uh, we'll do it in like thirty seconds. Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. 
Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. Okay, Andy, here's the board over at Prize Picks. We have a little bit more time depending on what you're you're looking for here. So to put this into perspective, average greens in regulation yesterday, 10.26. Shane Lowry hit 15 of them. His line for today is 12. That starts in 51 minutes if you're interested in taking the over there. But the scoring average, let me get the updated scoring average. Yesterday played pretty hard, Andy. It was like a stroke and a half or a little bit more uh, over par which is fun. And, and right now it's 1.2 over par. So it's, it's, it's not easy out there. No, it's not, which is what we predicted, right? Which is what we talked about. Uh, you know, I know this course is a little bit shorter on the scorecard, but it's super narrow and the rough is up. So this is going to provide, you know, a legitimately strong defense. Um, scoring props felt a little bit low, right to me yeah. just a little bit i know these guys are some of the best players in the field but i would still imagine that as the course firms up a little bit in in the afternoon that the afternoon wave will play a little bit harder yes i agree and i want to get your thoughts on this because i've been messing around with the uh showdown cheat sheet on rickrungood.com so what i added in is this tab here called expectation which essentially is uh comparing every golfer to their 100 round baseline so like Rory McIlroy gained like three and a half strokes putting yesterday, which is over three strokes better than his expectation. So he gained nearly four strokes more than his 100 round baseline yesterday. And almost all of it came via the putter. Now I, I love Rory and he's great, but like that is the formula for regression. Like that, that is it. <laughs> um, so you're telling me I shouldn't feel good about my Lee Hodges 300 to one ticket. Uh, well, Hey, if he he's, he's, uh, striping it, not all of those gains are with the putter, but just a lot of them are, <laughs> um, is that a new tool, Rick? That's awesome. Yeah. So this is, I basically just consolidated it. So this was kind okay. of on the showdown cheat sheet. I just made it easier to like read and we actually, we can just look at round one and I just made it like easier to read and flip through at the top. So this is just a kind of a new format. Okay. That's cool. I like that a lot. I think it's very useful also because I think the mistake that most people make is they look at in tournament stats right. and they think, oh, this guy is going to improve in this category, but they, they're not actually, they're comparing it to their idea of what regression is, but they're not comparing it to regression to somebody's actual long-term baseline. So I think that's an incredibly useful tool. I like that a lot. I'm going to dive into that a little bit more tonight. Yeah. Like for example, Cam Smith in round one lost 4.2 strokes putting to his baseline. Like that's right. just absurd. Like, and, right. that's, and I don't know what he was, but he, he, he clawed it back to even so that he was like hundred percent. He's like one over. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the ultimate bounce back candidate today. Cause it was unlikely that was going to happen again. Yeah. Right. So, um, who were some of the biggest, yeah. I mean, Rory, uh, Rory shot four under. So you have him at, you have him at 68. Mm -hmm. I did these feel, I would probably take overs Rick. I mean, honestly, I, I would probably 
I would probably lean towards Fitzpatrick. I think he's going to win. I mean, Fitzpatrick's playing great right now, so I'm not sure if I would, I would touch that one. Um, maybe, maybe JT, I guess. Um, but these yeah. just feel a little bit low. If I was going anywhere, it'd be over. I would all so so Rory Rory and Chris Kirk are the two now. Chris Kirk starts okay. in uh, four minutes, so you should probably get on this uh, very very quickly. That's that's my bad here. But the, those two were the two that's that stood out to me. Kirk was he uh, he putted well over his baseline yesterday. I I think it's getting harder. This this would still be asking him to gain like two and a half shots on the field, something like that. So it's um that's a big ask. I I do think these are these are too low. Let me see. They don't have fairways. They have greens in regulation, which uh, the only one I, I jumped into here is is Lowry over twelve is one that I one that I liked. He's just he's he he's, hit, hit, he's hitting his irons great, yeah, and he's hitting a ton of fairways, which is just like awesome. So he's he's giving himself a bunch of cracks at these. Right, right, yeah. I mean, I would. They don't have. Um, they didn't give us any hole by hole ones for this one either. No, I'm hoping we get like a huge slate for the u.s open which i i imagine right bunch of players bunch of interesting stuff bunch of like hey what score is he going to make on hole whatever like that's 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 the stuff we need right which we got uh for the pga and the masters if i remember right. correctly they tended they tended beef it up and give us more to work with for these majors um the code is rick there's a link in the description. You can get your instant deposit match up to a hundred bucks. You can fire away and get yourself prepared for what is likely to be a very, very large slate next week. Okay, Andy, I want to talk a little bit about uh, U.S. Open because we're it's basically here. We'll hit that after a quick word. I've recently started using Juice Reel as a way to track all my bets in real time. Since I can sync the app to all my sports books, I don't miss any wager and I've learned a ton more about my betting habits. There are built-in line shopping features, so I know that I'm always getting the best lines available, and once the game starts, I can see the value of my bets fluctuate in real time with the scoring so that I always have an understanding of my expected value. The performance analytics have made me much more knowledgeable about the bets that I have the most success at, hint, top tens, and there's no going back for me. Download the Juice Reel app with the link in the description. Okay, Andy, it's uh, like, you know, we can basically declare this U.S. Open week because I think that's that's what I want to do. Brookline's going to be awesome, dude. Brookline is just historic. Uh, I, I cannot wait to get there. I can't wait to see it. I can't. I just can't wait. I'm, I'm at like an all time. I was telling Armina um, last night or the night before. I've probably never been so excited for a golf tournament. I'm excited for you, man. I think you're in for a Thank treat. Um, it's a really tight uh, property. It's a really claustrophobic property. So if I had to make a guess, they're not going to be able to hold as many fans. I don't think they were selling as many tickets. It's not like a Tory Pines, Rick, which we've been to together, yeah. where it's this giant, giant property. It's, it's really big. congested. Now, I will say... I think parking and transportation to the course might be a little bit of a nightmare from what I've heard. But when you get on the actual course, I think you'll have really good access. And it's a really interesting kind of rugged piece of property with a lot of interesting topography and rolling terrain. Um, 
and these big rock outcroppings and chocolate drop mounds. And, and I think yeah. you're going to, I think you're going to really, really enjoy it. The thing I love the most about, um, the country club is, you know, what it, a lot of these old school golf courses and the country club is steeped in tradition. We're talking yes. 1880s founding member right. of the USGA, but a lot of these courses get these renovations and they make an old golf course look new. And the country club looks old, but it's like a, it looks beautiful. It's like a beautiful old, like you feel like you're transported back to the 1880s. It's really, really cool aesthetically. I'm, uh, yeah, there, and there, the, the history, if you go read up on the history, it's so phenomenal. J, uh, JG says, take the T or subway to Brookline. Very easy. Our Airbnb is like a mile and a half from the course. I'll just run there if I have to. So we'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll be, I think I'll be okay. But, uh, I, I know the rest of the media staying like downtown, which, uh, yeah, a lot of these major championships, and this is the same at Kiowa. It was this, it's the same at a lot of places. Like the infrastructure to get all these people in and out is not great. No, no, it's, it's, it's generally not. And, and that's why, um, in terms of hosting golf tournaments, there's so much more than, is this a good golf course that is going to be a fun test Correct. for pros. And I am super guilty of always underestimating that where I'm always like, why don't they just hold every major championship at national? It's my favorite golf course in the world. My, my hottest take is that, um, <laughs> golf tournaments shouldn't be played with fans so that we can go anywhere that we want, right? Like the viewing, if we fixed, okay. So, so football, in my opinion, is at the point where an NFL game, the viewing experience is better at home. It is. I've got yeah, an 80 inch TV. I'm I got camera angles of everything. I've got instant replay. I'm not going to miss a beat. I, that is much better than being in the stadium. We are not there for golf yet, like by a million miles. But if we were to get to the point where the viewing experience was good at home, they shouldn't even let fans in so that we could go to Bandon. Uh, during COVID, when they went to like uh, Seminole for that like weird little event, or um, like even even going to Summit Club, they were they could go to Summit Club because they didn't let any fans in. You know what I mean? Right. Shadow Creek too, right? Shadow, Shadow Creek's Creek. another one where it's tougher to there's the infrastructure nothing, yeah, surrounding. Yeah, you just can't do it. You just can't do it. So like, I, my, that's my. I think that's my hottest take is like no fans at golf tournaments. Let's just okay. Let's just. That's pretty. <laughs> my hottest take is that the Open Championship should be played every year with hickories. Um, <laughs> and you should have to wear suits and ties as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. No, the St Andrews isn't supposed to be played with carbon woods. Um, but uh, so let me ask you. So you. When do you get there and what days are you going? Yeah, so it is so it is a quick trip for me. So a lot of the media gets there usually like, you know, Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. We are flying a red eye in Wednesday night okay. so that we can continue oh, wow. to do all the normal stuff, like for the normal week that all the oh, other obligations God. that I have going on. And then we'll land like early Thursday morning. I'll go straight to the golf course. And then we've got uh, Armina's on vacation. She's got a bunch of friends in Boston, so I'll I'll just okay. be at Brookline basically all day. And then we're not we're not leaving. We did extend it, so we're not coming back until like the following Wednesday. So we'll have time to spend in Boston after the tournament. Okay, so then you'll kind of spill your travelers' week stuff in the Correct. next week. I'll, okay, I'll but do you're... some stuff from a hotel and sing, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're yeah. not doing so. You're getting there basically when the tournament starts. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Who are you and, most excited? Who are you most excited for? Like you get dropped onto that golf course on Thursday morning. Who's the first guy you're looking to catch up with? 
Um, I'll go find Victor somewhere. That that would be <laughs> that. That's probably number that and um, Spieth. Okay, I, I want to witness the Spieth experience. At Brooklyn. by the by the way, how do we? I wanted to ask you this too because I think one of the things that is missing for us in terms of lib is I wish they had strokes gained, but like, mm. how do we evaluate the state of DJ or Phil's game heading into Brookline? Like, I know they have the traditional stats, but like, if you shoot six under at Centurion and like finish T three, like, what is the, what does that mean? Does that mean you're in good form or like, that's, that's kind of what I'm struggling with. I, I, it's a great question that I don't have the answer to. I mean, I guess we could try to assign some level of strength of field, but like it, there's, there's a lot more variables and some of these guys are really going to skew the strength of field number. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, the little bit, I haven't watched anything today. The, the little bit that I saw from DJ looked not great. The stuff I saw from Phil was okay. okay um, yeah. But it's it's really hard to tell how those guys will be. And, and especially if this continues, right? Like, what if they play? Because by the time we get to the Masters, some of these guys are going to play, like, six straight live golf events and maybe somewhere else in the world in that, like, eight-month period that we have off between major championships. And we're going to have no idea on how to assess their game. Yeah, like this is this was the other thing with some of the younger amateurs that they're getting to. Like they have I think they have the last I mean they have Pyatt who won at Oakmont and they have Ogletree, Ogletree. who's not good. Like Ogletree he shot an 82 he shot an 82 yesterday. <laughs> the last couple winners of the USAM aren't that great players. I actually think Pyatt's okay, but I don't think Ogletree is very good, but how do we know if these guys are good, right? That that's the that's the question that I keep having. Um, I, I I was talking about this too, right? Like I I'm nerdy and I keep a list of you know every player's. I keep a list of like the greatest careers and players of all time, kind of like the pyramid that that Bill Simmons mm -hmm. does in basketball. And um, like if DJ wins this event, does he? does he get moved up at all? Does it, does it mean anything? And, and, and that's the biggest issue that I'm struggling with live with is that we have no context uh, with any of this stuff. It's also 54 holes too. Yeah. Good which point. is, which is like, you're going to, you're also going to get some, I feel like built in randomness because just in general, the fewer holes you play, the more random golf is. If they yeah. played one hole tournaments, you'd get some crazy winners. <laughs> 54 holes yeah. a little bit better, but it's not 72. Um, so yeah, man, I, I don't know. I don't know. And I think we're probably gonna have to figure it out because it's not going away. So, so back to Brookline real quick, who is like your, have you made any bets yet? I, uh, yeah. Two weeks ago, I bet Patrick Reed and I bet Daniel Berger. Okay. Um, I'm with you on Reed. I kind of, are we feeling, I'm feeling worse about it. I'll be honest. I got 120, which is a great number. That's right. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't feel, I was kind of hoping he was going to play this week, right? Just like, give me, give me small greens this week. Let's, you know, all that stuff. Let's see how it works. But, um, 
Uh, I, dude, you know what would be nuts? Like Reed is also a villain who could you imagine if he wins? Like, could you imagine if a live golf guy wins the U S open? Yeah. That, you know, did you see they boosted DJ to 40 no. at, at one buck? No. Yeah. By the way, they boosted Colin to 33, by the way. Yeah. yeah that's going to be interesting. Do you think they're going to, you know, we hear one of the most overblown narratives that we're going to hear over the next five, six days is, Oh, the Boston fans. They're going to be so rowdy. Um, I I'm curious. I don't know what the reception is going to be, uh, for, for the live guys. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, this is, this is going to get covered. Like there's going to be New York times and Washington post, reporters at Phil's press conference, right? It's it, this is, this transcends golf a little bit too, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Would you bet Dustin Johnson at 40 to one to win the U S open? No. I mean, I thought you were very astute in being like, yeah, like he hasn't been that good for a while. Right. Like if he played, if he played the RBC Canadian this week, would you have thought he had a really good chance to win? I don't, I don't know. I mean, he hasn't really shown much. And even if he routes, Henny Duplessis and Charles Schwartzel. I'm not prepared to crown him. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I, I think some of the people in the chat are saying crowd will be all over the live guys. I yeah. So. I, I, you don't think so? No, I don't think it is. I don't think people know as much as we know. Right. Yeah, or I, I think the media will be all over the live guys. They'll be asking them tougher questions right yes i i don't think phil phil i don't know because phil has has been the downfall from phil mickelson of just hero at the pga championship could have done anything he wanted basically except this and he's and he's done it that i'll be interested to see but i don't think i don't think it's going to change towards patrick reed or Bryson, for that matter. I mean, people chirp Bryson most all the people, time. Most people didn't like these guys to begin with, right? Most right. of these guys were most of these guys were villains to begin <laughs> with. So, do we have a villain problem now on the PGA Tour? Because I feel like yeah. Liv took all of our great villains. Who's like, who's, who's our who's our villain that's left? I don't even know. Let's look at the world rankings. Billy Horschel. Yeah, that's a good one. He's he's our heel. Um, I you know what I could see. This would be kind of cool. If this was if this was WWE and they just lost all their villains to AEW or whatever, they yeah. would they would heel turn John Rom. I was gonna say that Rom's a good candidate because he acts like a baby on the course. You know, a lot of people love foreign villains, right? Like international yes. villains, like all the Bond villains are like these yeah. international guys, but it can't be Victor because Victor is the most likable, even though even like the name Victor Hovland from Norway sounds like a Bond villain. Victor he's, Hovland. <laughs> he's the most likable guy on the PGA tour, but people love John Rom. People really like John Rom. He has like an active fan base. So I, I don't know if he would be able to get there. I think people are starting to see the life a little bit. I mean, he almost, he almost decapitated a stray volunteer with a club at Muirfield last week, but you know, people like Rob. So I, I, I don't know if he, he would get there. He's um, 
and he's good enough, right? Like the thing with Ian Poulter, yeah. is like, ever, like Ian Poulter was never like, okay, in the Ryder Cups, that's fine. But Rom is good enough to be a villain. Oh, yeah. yeah. You need to be frustratingly good. You need to be like annoyingly good. So I guess Rom is, Rom's the best candidate. You know, Brooks has a little villain in him, but Brooks might be gone too. Yeah, the the chat thinks Hatton is the villain, which I, I feel like Hatton doesn't I keep, I don't know, does he play it's, enough? Yeah. Yeah. Hatton. Oh my God. Are we ever going to design a good enough golf course for Hatton standards? Rick? There's no, there's no course in the world that is up to Terrell Hatton's uh, lofty standards. Yeah. If, 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 it, if this was scripted, if this was the WWE, it, it would be Rob. That's what I would do if I was Vince McMahon. Cantlay is not bad. People don't like Cantlay, but, but if you listen to, yeah, if you, Cantlay is like a really uh, well-spoken and articulate guy i get the slow play the you know the feet movement thing that really annoys people i don't find him like i find him boring i don't find him unlikable right he's not villainous he's also not going to say something that frustrates his peers he's just right like you need someone who call somebody out for slow play or, Oh yeah. I had to wait for nine hours because this guy was, you know, taking 10 rulings and asking for second opinions and throwing clubs. It's like, that's what you need. Burger, maybe, uh, cop, uh, police officer burger with his rule (laughs) stuff. Maybe I guess we're reaching at this point. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Andy. Um, pleasure as always, my friends, we will be back on Tuesday. And we will do it all again for the United States Open. That feels good to say. That feels incredible to say. Um, if I don't, well, actually, never mind. I was going to say safe travels, but we'll talk. We'll we talk, talk before that. Yeah. Okay. Um, follow Andy on Twitter at ADP Lack Sports. You can follow me at Rick Rungood. Prize picks promo code is Rick. There's a link in the description. Go get your picks in. They're also doing a, uh, I forgot to mention this. They've got basically a free square for tonight for the NBA Finals, where if Jason Tatum scores one point, you win. So that seems not a big basketball guy, Andy. Seems pretty likely Jason Tatum scores one solitary point this evening. That feels like a safe bet to me. Yeah, I would say. What, what, what? I was just, I thought in my mind, I was like, is the is the NBA Finals on again tonight? tonight? I didn't realize that. Okay. All right, cool. That's awesome. No, I'm excited for that. Okay. Something to watch. Um, Okay. Producer Mina does all the hard hard work behind the scenes. Thank you very much. We will see you next time. Good luck.